I'm amazed at the amount of instruction there is available to us online. On any given day, I can Google a random question and find an answer, some kind of answer, and sometimes even a YouTube video or an article. We live in an age of self-help and Google. We have access to collective knowledge like never before. We can renovate our houses, our minds, our bodies, all from the comfort of our own homes. Or we can just ask random questions, like I did recently. I've got a clip, hopefully, that will come up. We'll show you a little session just to illustrate this for you. So uh, I started off by asking, I think I wanted to ask how, how you might name your cat. I thought, if I had a cat and wanted to name it, how would I name it? So I put that in. Uh, cat, uh, here we go, how to choose a name for your cat. There it is. Um, uh, and then I thought, oh, actually, we, we've had trouble with a tap in our kitchen recently, so I thought, can I look it up and see how to fix a leaky tap? So I think I asked, how do I fix a leaky tap? And, yep, there we go. Um, this is how you fix a leaky tap. So tips for all of you DIYers that need help, you can go and do it there. Then I thought, let me ask a more random question. So I, thought, I put in, where is Elvis? It did fail slightly, because all I could get was where is Elvis buried, which wasn't quite what I was after. But I, now I could find out if I wanted to where Elvis Presley's grave is. Just a silly way to get you all warmed up, and myself also. <laughs> now, this, these, this access that we have, this collective knowledge, is useful if we need to know about the leaky tap or where famous singers are buried or how to name our cats, but not for our mission, not for who we are as the people of God. Our mission is not a solo mission. It's not a DIY self-help mission. It's not a private mission. We, and believers in Christ everywhere, are called into a collective mission. The church, the body of Christ, is a corporate entity, and we're called to a single task, which is to make Christ known in the world together. This identity of ours has always been tricky. It's always been countercultural. Particularly now, we live in a world which is so individualistic. Belonging to the church, sadly, is barely seen as respectable in some quarters. When we moved to Hobart, we were introduced to mutual friends with the phrase, we'd love you to meet our friends Andrew and Martin. They're Christians, but they're nice people. Recent events might make it very attractive for us to distance ourselves from the church in certain conversations or company, not because of the church's moral stand, but because of its, its moral failures. And I have to say our moral failures, because we are the church, and the world sees us as one. It doesn't divide us up by denomination. The spirit of the times invites us to create our own identities. You do you, as long as it doesn't affect me. But God's word to us invites us to something quite different. We've been doing a series called Every Member Ministry, and Chris has been unpacking this for us over the last few weeks. He began three weeks ago by reminding us that we, along with believers around the world, are a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, a people belonging to God. Two weeks, like, two weeks ago, a week after that, he explained what Jesus did to give us that privileged identity. He died the death our sins deserved to make a way for us to approach the Almighty with confidence. 
gave his life to give us that access to God. These are big, big things for us to take in, aren't they? Week after week. This last week, we heard that God has also given us gifts to help us, to help each other to mature and flourish in this calling to exist for the praise of God, to be for the praise of God, to live in a way that causes others to praise God. And today, in the last of our series on Every Member Ministry, we're looking at a passage from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, which describes another set of gifts from God, which is gifts of leadership. Let me orient you in this letter. You might want to follow along in your pew Bible. Um, I invite you to read the whole... Sorry, I keep banging my thing on the microphone. Um, You may want to follow along in your pew Bible. I would encourage you, if you have time, to read the letter of Ephesians. It is just huge and tremendous and deep and rich, but not now, okay? So in chapter 1, Paul tells his readers... Um, and those who have heard and believed the gospel, which is now us, that we have been chosen in Christ since since before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. In God's amazing love, he has chosen to unite us to Christ, and it is in him that we become holy and blameless, not through our own efforts, but through and in Christ, because the church is to be Christ's body. That's in chapter 1. Chapter 2, he tells us that it is by grace that we're saved through faith, which is the gift of God, that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which he prepared beforehand. So we're learning that there's something for us to do, something that God has prepared for us to do. We're part of God's plan in some way. And in chapter 3, we discover the plan. Paul tells us in verse 10 of chapter 3, that the manifold wisdom of God will be revealed to rulers and authorities in heavenly places through the church. The church is the plan. We are the plan, people. Paul speaks of this also in his letters to the Colossians, and he refers to the church as God's great plan, the mystery previously hidden for ages and generations. The plan of God, the mystery now revealed, is Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's pretty staggering, isn't it? So Paul prays in verse 14 of chapter 3 that his readers, that we might grasp how how cosmic this calling is, its height, its depth, its breadth, and its length. So all of this is by way of situating us in this letter. So where we've come to now in today's reading, Paul refers us back to this calling, this huge calling that we have. And he tells us how to live well with this calling in a way that reflects the nature of the one who calls us, in a way that reflects Christ, that images Christ. And it's about acting with humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with each other in love, eager to maintain unity in the bond of peace. How we are to be with each other, it's not incidental to our calling, it's core, it's what we're here for. It glorifies God. We're diverse, but God has brought us together in Christ through his spirit, as Paul points out in verses 4 and 5. We have one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father. Christ, who is over all and through all and in all, is the one who decides how we are to live with each other 
and he gives us gifts accordingly. Jesus himself prays for our unity as proof that he was sent by God in John 17, his high priestly prayer, that they, that we may all be one so that the world may know, may believe that you sent me, he prays. Back to our passage in verse 11, Paul adapts a section of Psalm 68 to speak of Jesus coming to earth and triumphing over Satan, taking captivity captive and giving gifts of leadership to the church to help her in her mission. Given the size and the scope of this mission, which I hope we're now grasping, we should perhaps be happy that God has given us apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip us. We need the help of such leaders. So alongside the spiritual gifts, we have people to help us develop our gifts in community so that we'll grow well, so that we'll grow healthily. We are gifts to each other, and God uses us to help and encourage each other to become increasingly united in our faith and our ability to show Christ to the world. We're heading for maturity, no less than the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ himself. He wants us not to be like children, not to be immature, not to be swept along by circumstances or every change in the doctrinal winds, but by those or by those who deliberately set out to mislead us. As we speak the truth in love, we learn how to use our gifts and grow in character so our gifts will help the whole body to develop well. And as we grow in this way, we become more and more like Christ. We become more intimate with him in his ways, more able to tell the true from the false. As you all know, I'm new around here. I started as assistant minister here just over three weeks ago, three long weeks ago. (laughs) And I was ordained two Fridays ago. Let me just say, I did not volunteer for ordained ministry. I was a reluctant leader. You can ask my family afterwards if you don't believe me. My call to ministry came from um, the vicar at our church in London in about 2008. I was fairly active in church then, and I was thinking about Christian counselling as a possible direction, not ministry. But my vicar and other leaders in the church um, identified me as someone who could potentially step into the role that's described in this passage of equipping others for ministry and building up the body of Christ. To be honest, I was terrified by this idea, and I did my best to resist. When God opened the doors for us to move to Australia, I thought, I've gotten away with it. He'll never find me here. But after giving us a few years to settle in and a false sense of security, God used another minister, this time in our church in Battery Point, to approach me about ordination. Many chapters later, here I am. And I'm really happy to be here, by the way, in case you're, you're worried that I'm here under duress. In fact, I count it a great privilege. And Chris has been doing his part as a minister to equip and build me up since I got here. Apart from teaching me where things are and how things work, a huge part of what he's been doing for me has been simply to calm me down and encourage me in my gifting. Now, some of you may be wondering, possibly thinking after listening to me for this long, well, if she can do it, I certainly can. That's great if you feel that way. Come and talk to Chris afterwards or me. 
There are so many opportunities for us all to discover and identify the gifts God has given us as a church. Now, that may involve us discerning together whether God has a call on you for leadership. Now, you won't be surprised to hear there are scores of YouTube videos on how to discern your calling. Some of them are quite helpful, I'm sure. But this is not quite like sorting out a leaky tap or you know, looking up cat names. You can't really do this at home by yourself in your pajamas. Your gifts are best identified in community with others. If you try to go it alone and figure it out, figure out what it is that you can give to the church, you may miss or dismiss things that other people really value. I'm hoping that by now, you're all starting to wonder what, you, what your part might be in this. God needs all of us, whatever our contributions are, whether we think they're big or small. And Paul tells us in this passage that unless everyone takes their part in the body of Christ, it won't work as it should. We will not fulfill our mission unless everyone gets involved. He says so in the final verse of this passage, where he says that from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. Now we all know, because we all have bodies, that when one part doesn't work well, the rest of it has to overfunction to compensate. We notice. It's the same with the body of Christ. You may think, you're too old, or too young, or too middle-aged, but your gifts are needed. It may be a gift of encouragement, which is sorely underrated and desperately needed in our world today. It may be some practical giftings. It may be time. It may be the gift of invitation, the gift of befriending people. It may be the ability to invite strangers to the next Alpha course that we run. It may be reading the Bible in the Sunday service because you have a beautiful reading voice. It might be helping with LA kids. You may find you have a different kind of gift, teaching or prophecy or healing or even tongues. Don't be afraid to explore these gifts as well with us in community. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about and you're just here exploring faith, then come and talk to us about the gift of Jesus Christ himself, who's the source of all of our gifts. Paul calls the church at Ephesus to humility, gentleness, patience. He calls them to bear with each other and to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. When we do that, we put the needs of others before our own needs. We look for the best outcomes for each other. We create a safe space to explore and discover our gifts without fear of judgment or ridicule or criticism. We can enjoy each other's gifts and the gift of each other without being envious or feeling threatened. This is what it can look like in our everyday lives together as God's chosen people. And in living this way, we fulfill God's beautiful, gracious plan to make himself known to the world through the church. God gave the church gifts of leadership so that his body could be equipped and built up for its work of making him known in the world. As leaders, we are here to equip and build you up to be a church for Lindisfarne so that we can all be making disciples of Jesus together. May God give us grace to joyfully fulfill our corporate mission in Christ's name and to his glory. Amen.